Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast and I'm delighted to welcome Rennie Moulinstein. Rennie was a former Manchester United first team coach among several other jobs. He's currently working with the Australian national team. He's managed in, in India, uh, in Israel. He's worked in the US. He managed uh, Fulham. He's worked in Qatar, uh, Denmark. And Manchester has been his home for a long time. Welcome, Rennie, and, and thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having <clears throat> thanks for having me, Andy. You've done a book. I've got this book here, Rennie Moulinstein and Man United's Methods of Success. It's not a typical book that I come across. I tend to come across the written word where footballers are recounting memories or fans are recounting memories and there's a series of interviews. Yours is full of, of diagrams. It's full of graphics. There's a fantastic picture of all your notepads from training sessions which you led when Manchester United were the English, European and world champions. Why have you done your book and can you explain a little bit about what's in the book? Well, I've done the book, uh, Andy, because um, Soccer Tutor, who helped me uh, putting it out there in the market, uh, is a company that produces a lot of coaching coaching books. And I've ordered quite a few of them. And uh, at one point, uh, George Palaceros, uh, he's the owner of the company, he got in touch with me and he said, I know that you've ordered a few books. I would like to meet up with you to discuss to see if you would want to do one yourself. So we did that. Then we had a, a long conversation and... Um, he said, obviously, your book that would be would be unique because of uh, you write it you write it yourself with the help uh, from ourselves, and I just didn't want to sort of uh, produce a sort of standing um, coaching book, Andy, with respect to all the other ones because I think they're really really good. They have been written by almost a inverted commas a ghostwriter. Um, I wanted to get to the people across, uh, well, a lot of coaches, but also even fans, really, to to give them a real good insight what were actually the parameters, you know, of success in that particular time and how did we transfer that on the pitch on a daily basis? How did we transfer that into games? How uh, was Sir Alex Ferguson's management uh, affecting it, his, his principles, etc.? So it's a really comprehensive book for anybody that wants to have a bit of an insight how we uh, how we managed to get uh, so much success in the time you've written the eight key aspects to success for sir alex ferguson's manchester united <clears throat> team and i'm going to read them eight to you but i'd quite like an example of each of them from you so your first one is strong organization what does that mean well it means that um in every organisation, you need to uh, you need to make sure that you've got the backing and the support from the people. Strong organisation means that you've got owners that have a good vision, you know, uh, of the of the long term, medium term, and short term. Uh, they bring in the right people to put the strategies into place, and 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 last but not least, to making sure that they support that staff and everybody that needs to put those strategies into place with the right funding, you know, and and the right um, you know, mental and moral support. Good management, number two. It sounds obvious. What is good management? Um, obviously, we've been very lucky with Sir, Alex, with Sir Alex Ferguson being at Manchester United for 26 years. And as we all know, uh, Manchester United wasn't uh, the club uh, when, when Sir Alex Ferguson left it. So he had his own uh, challenges and at the same time opportunities to shape it in his way, which he did. Um Built, let's say, three generations of fantastic teams with a lot of with a lot of success. So you need to have a good, a good strong manager that is very clear in the way what he wants, how he wants it. That that will determine the identity of the club and almost becomes part of the culture of the club. Second to that is, you need to have good people that support them. We we had that in David Gill. You know, he was the CEO at the time excellent um, person who worked fantastically well together with uh, with Sir Alex Ferguson. And then besides that, um, Sir Alex Ferguson had to appoint all the, all the remaining staff to making sure that, again, everything would run smoothly on the, on a daily basis. Quality players, number three. That seems obvious. If you've got Cristiano Ronaldo working with you, you can have an advantage over anyone. Well, if you, if you read the book, you will see that I make an analysis 
of why why teams or certain teams are so successful in in, in the history, whether you go back to uh, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, AC Milan, Ajax, you know, Liverpool at the time, Manchester United, etc. And one of the things that stand out is that all those teams have quality players. And in brackets, uh, players that are world-class or have world-class qualities. At that level, you need to have those players because every single one needs to make a difference for you. If they don't make a difference for you, they're not good enough. And if you look at the squad at the time that we had, uh, it was an abundance of, of talent, potential, and, and world-class um, in, in every department, whether you look at the goals with Atman for the Saad, the defence, you know, you know, at the time with, with Vidic and, and Ferdinand and, and Evra, you know, when you go up to the park, you can, you can go up to the park with, with obviously Scholes and Giggs, and then you mention Ronaldo and Rooney and all of them, they're all fantastic players. And only then you can achieve success if you've got that quality. But even then, then, number four, you're saying hard work and competition. Is it creating that environment every day where you mentioned some of them lads, I've interviewed them all, and they talk about going into training every day as if it was a match day. And the training matches were fierce, the competition was fierce. They get into fights with each other. They were utterly driven. If a new player came in, they made him very aware very quickly that the standards were probably going to be far higher than any club they'd previously worked at. Yeah, it is uh, It is something that obviously Sir Alex Ferguson has put into place uh, over, over the years. So it was already, uh, that environment was already there when I joined uh, as, as a first team coach. You just need to make sure you maintain it and, and you may, you must make it work work for you. Um, Sir Alex Ferguson, so Alex Ferguson always used to say to me, so listen, Rene, remember everything you do in training will manifest itself in the game, good and bad. He said, we expect a world-class performance from our players, you know, three times a week. Besides that, they need to expect a world-class support from us on and off the field. And that basically, that teamwork together with staff and players, that basically summed it up. But he always emphasised the fact that hard work and competing hard work is a quality you know it is it is something that uh, you, you cannot switch on with the with a switch of a button and competing is that extra level of working hard competing is the desire you know to win and that same thing hard work and competing you saw that back in training every single day number five teamwork and team spirit how do you create a good team spirit I think that all comes down to the man management skills, uh, mainly of, of the manager. And that needs to be, uh, you know, backed up by, by the supporting staff. But it is always very difficult, you know, where, you know, when you've got a big squad um, to keep everybody happy. But to keep everybody happy is maybe not the right word, but to keep everybody motivated and focused. And, and so Alex Ferguson was excellent at that. Um, the, 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 the teamwork is, needs to be uh, well, complementary to each other, to the players, in terms of the fact that they have respect for each other, that they accept each other, etc. And team spirit always shows when you come into times in adversity, when things don't go that well. You know, you need to come back from 1-0 down or 2-1 down or 2-0 down. You have to basically, you know, close the ranks and say, right, we need to step it up here. And, and, and that is, that is uh, you know, one of the most important things of, of teams that can do that. I mean, if you go back to point number, um, you know, point number three, the quality players, what I try to say with this diagram, Andy, is that if you've got the quality players and they're world class, but if they're not prepared to work hard, compete, and if they're not prepared to, to work together and show any team spirit, that quality will show for nothing. You know what I mean? So those are, those are the, you know, the most important things. Uh, that have to be in place. So you always see that a lot of times that when teams really uh, are be very, very successful, Manchester United has been very successful. Uh, obviously, even the year when, when Leicester won the league, you know, um, you, I read things up on Bayern Munich at the moment. Uh, you had Liverpool, obviously, uh, you know, last year and the year before. They all come back sort of with how important that teamwork and team spirit is. You know, they always talk about the band of brothers. So it's an important aspect. Number six is game plan, strategy and tactics. There's a lot of that within your book. How did the tactics change and develop in your time at Manchester United? And 
was Sir Alex a, a, a great tactician or did he lean and trust the people around him to advise him tactically? No, he, he was a very good tactician himself, but he would also listen. Uh, one of his biggest qualities to me was, for me, was he was a very good listener. But he was very, uh, very clever and very, very astute, knew the game in and out. Everybody was, everything was very, very clear with Manchester United. It was all about making sure that, again, the game plan, strategy and tactics really are the elements that uh, show the identity of the team. You know, the style they, they, they play with. Uh, and again, that becomes part of a, the, the culture of, uh, of, of the club. What we had at Manchester United, we always had a sort of approach in that respect to making sure that the players were always very, very well prepared for the upcoming opponents. We always had the 80-20 the rule or 75-25 rule. What I mean by that is, is that 20 to 25%, depending on the opponent, we would spend on informing the players uh, listen we're up against this team this is their this is their style of play this is the uh, run of form these are the key players that can hurt us uh, these are sort of outstanding qualities that they have but 80 percent or 75 percent would all be about us you know with how we're going to win the game um, so we were we respect every opponent we were well aware of their threats but more than anything it was all pushed our game plan, our strategy and tactics was all pushed from how we're going to win the game. That was it. Everything was very clear, especially from a defensive point of view, because in a defensive point of view, every player knew whether if we're going to press uh, on the front foot, we press in numbers, we press on a certain area, on a certain player, or do we drop in the block? Everything was clear and everybody understood we had a job to do. Uh, but going forward, it was more about option it was more about variety it was more about unpredictability and especially ownership of the players themselves find the right solutions don't become computer uh, computerized players like uh, I, like i said with players like uh, with such a high intelligence like skulls and gigs we didn't have to tell them you know we would just show them this is the trends these are the options that we've got it's your job to pick the right one and that's all about trusting trusting the players to do the right thing. United were usually favourites. They had those world-class players. But what happened when you came up against a team who were arguably better? I'm thinking specifically those two Champions League finals against Barcelona. <clears throat> Did you go out to win those games? And would Looking back at those games, do you think United could have done anything differently to win those matches? Because the, the game in Rome was obviously unfortunate after a good first nine minutes for, for United and maybe the midfield was overrun, but at Wembley, Barca were even more dominant. No, I think obviously Barcelona at the time, I think they, and it showed, in, especially in the year after Wembley, they, they sort of hit a pinnacle of form, you know, on the Pep Guardiola. Um, with Barcelona, in Rome, it was a bit more even, that you could see it on the, on the, on the possession stats. In hindsight, it's always uh, easier to look back and say, could we have done this, could we have done it? It's always fine margins. Goals are decided, of, games are decided by goals. Uh, games are, are changed by goals. And, and, and that can change momentums. You know, I, I still remember Rome. I still I was only think I think it was 1-0. And we did make the substitutions to bring, you know, a lot of other players on in, in, in Skulls and Tevez and Berbatov. We were close to an equaliser. If we would have probably got an equaliser, it would have swung probably the momentum would have swung our way. Um, in Barcelona, uh, again, they were, they were exceptional, with an exceptional Messi. The chances that fell for them, they took them. And sometimes, Andy, you have to hold your hand up. Believe me, we were going out to win that game 100%. But if you come up, if you come up against, and like I said, we always say we use the 80-20 to 75-25 rule, yes, with, with, with a team like Barcelona at the particular time, we knew that if we do let them do this A, A Y Z, then they can hurt us. And and if you, to be fairly honest, if you go back to Wembley, I thought, you know, uh, it, we started really well. Then we go behind, we come back through a Rooney goal. Great. We knew it was never going to be easy. And the only thing, you know, we probably maybe should have done a little bit better was, you know, the first 50 minutes in the second half. And, and that's where they hurt us. You know, when we never had the time to, um, you know, to, to, to get back to it in the game. But the, 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 the output or the outlook uh, to any game is to win it and at, at the time. There's no doubt about that. 
And to be fairly honest, it's interesting because we played Barcelona in the pre-season a few a few weeks later in Washington. We 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 said obviously it's different. The occasion is different, but the players in general were the same. Maybe we had a few different ones. They had a few different ones. But Barcelona style didn't change, and so did ours. And I said, if we still believe in the same tactics, then we should try to do the same thing. And we did, and we won. You know, but at that time we took the chances and they didn't. You know, so it's fine margins when it comes to those games, Andy. I remember it in Washington. It was roasting hot. I remember Tom Cleverley having a very good game, and and he mm. was up against Iniesta. How did you choose which internet service provider to use? The sad thing is most of us have very little choice because ISPs operate like monopolies in the regions they serve. They then use this monopoly power to take advantage of customers. Data caps, streaming throttles, the list goes on. But worst of all, ISPs are required by law to keep logs of your activity for 12 months. Everything you do on the internet is logged. And authorities are allowed to access these logs without a warrant. To prevent ISPs from seeing any internet activity, you can protect all your devices with ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server so your ISP cannot see any of the activity. Just think how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch or message you send gets tracked by ISPs. They can then hand over your information to government agencies even when you've done nothing wrong. That's why we recommend ExpressVPN as the best way to hide your online activity from your ASP. Just download the app, tap one button on your device and you're protected. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by Tech, Radar and Wired. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs who mine your activity and violate your rights to privacy. Protect yourself with the VPN we use to keep private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash united. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash united to get three months for free. Go to expressvpn.com slash united right now to learn more. Two more points, that the desire to win and that winning mentality, does that all come from uh, the aforementioned points or does it come from individuals? Traditionally, you had you know, Roy Keane driving the team forward and forward. How important is it to, to have individual characters or is it a collective? I think it, 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 at Manchester United, it has grown stronger over time. You know, when Sir Alex Ferguson shaped his first sort of winning team and they start to win trophies... And they started to win the league. He wanted to obviously almost bottle that feeling in, in, in respect to say, listen, we're not going to let this go. And then bring in the right individuals in that can drive that winning mentality every single day in training. And then it becomes a mindset, you know. And, um, and like I said, you can, you can work hard and compete. You can work together and have great team spirit. You have the great game plan and strategy. But that desire to win... And the winning mentality, that's that little bit, that's that little extra that is going to win you the games, you know, uh, where you have to dig really, really deep. And that is not something, again, that is something uh, that you can't turn on with a switch. You have to develop it. You have to maintain it. You have to keep working at it. And that all comes down in what you're doing in training as well. You know, um, you, you, a lot of players, you know, not all, not all of them, but... Most of them, you, 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 you play as you train. So for us, it was a responsible a responsibility to making sure that we got the right aspects in training to making sure that that winning mentality was always there and developed. And final one is so obvious, scoring goals and keeping clean sheets. I watched Manchester United at the weekend, scored the goals against Everton, clean sheets. Well, that proved to be <laughs> particularly uh, costly. Yeah, well, there's a there's a line written underneath there, and, and that was again a quote of Sir Alex Ferguson. He would say, "Goals will win your games, but clean sheets will win your trophies," and it's so true. So, although we always wanted to be perceived as a really a creative attacking side, going forward, going for goals, going for the next goal, the one of the most important thing he always emphasised was the defence. Listen, if we clean, if we have a clean sheet, and you need to take pride in that clean sheet. 
the, the goalkeeper, the defenders, but also the forwards because defending starts from the front. You all take pride in a clean sheet. The clean sheet, coming off a clean sheet, as in, as is important as scoring, as scoring goals because only one guy can can hit the final ball. You know, but basically most of the time the whole team contributed to producing that goal. So that was that was very well understood by by the players. So, you know, um, in that respect, he always emphasised as well as listen the one nil games, the, the games that we win one nil, those are the games that will will win us the trophy. So sometimes you can't go for two nil or three nil. It's just not there for whatever reason. But he always he always emphasised on that, and and that's the same thing. You ha- you need to have both elements, and you look again, you analyse the top top teams. Yeah, they concede they concede the least goals and score the most goals. Look at why is City at the top at the moment. Look at them two things. You know, it's there, it's there for everybody to see. Do you sense an increase in interest in tactics from supporters in data? I've just seen it more and more, and I've got some readers' questions for you. And one of them was that you you're starting to see terms now like the low block, the high press in everyday football discussions. Do you think there's more interest in the tactical side of the game? 100%. And uh, because there's also but far more accessibility now for the fans, you know, to go on social media. There's a lot of a lot of good things that sometimes are put out there on social media, whether on Twitter or on Instagram. Some really good diagrams makes tactics but far more understandable. Uh, that's, that's one of the things. Low block, high press, they are just terminology that that coaches use to make it understand for the players what are we going to do and, and all those general terminology will then you know reflect on individual jobs um, you know um, things like rotations you know in build up how do you do that if you build up with a with a with a back four what's the best way to do it against a, a forward three what's the best way of doing it against when you play against two strikers there's there's loads of things, but yeah, there is there is definitely more interest from the fans, and rightly and rightly so, because if they do have an interest and they do read about it and, and study about it, they will probably recognise those those patterns, uh, you know, much easier when when they come to watching watching games. The only difference is is that when you watch games on TV, you can't see all all the pitch most of the time. Um, and and that is basically what you what you need to see if you really want to identify the right tactical patterns defensively and and and, and going forward. So that's why scouts actually go to matches. It's far better to be there in person because you can see the bigger picture. Well, that's that's one of the reasons uh, for sure. Um, and I think also it's always good for scouts to to see, you know, uh, especially to watch if they watch the player, what he does off the ball when he's not really involved in the game, uh, what he's like uh, with his body language, you know, in, in certain moments of the game when he maybe misses a big chance of, or he goes into a, a really uh, strong tackle. All those things, you know. Um, but yeah, it's far better to, to, watch, to watch the games live. Got some readers' questions for you. And from United We Stand readers on United We Stand's uh, website, uwsonline.com. What was the thinking behind Valencia over Nani in the 2011 Champions League final? It was, it was just, a, just a choice. You know, um, I think Nani did come on in the second half, but obviously we knew Antonio was strong, he was quick. Um, the thinking behind it was that we needed to make sure that we were in a good, in a good defensive position. But we, when we had opportunities to intercept the ball, we wanted to release the early forward pass quickly to somebody that could that could get chase, chase it and get behind it. And on the right hand side, with Valencia, um, you know, with his pace, we knew that he could do that. That's all. But like I said, you could go through to most of the team or maybe fifty percent of the team, and then it's just, you know, uh, uh, a matter of making decisions at the time. Was Park over Tevez in 2009 a sentimental decision because the former had missed out uh, the year before? No, no, I no, I don't no, I don't think so. I mean, Park has been such an incredible, fantastic uh, player for Manchester United, and again, uh, you know, we looked at it 
uh, Pa brings uh, a lot of energy to the team, uh, a lot of discipline to the team, especially defensively. He, he's an and-and player. You know, you can expect him to basically uh, stop passing lanes or put pressure on a player. And at the same time, if the ball is turned over, he's very quick to get in good attacking position. So, no, th- 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 those decisions were all very well thought through and uh, there was no uh, emotion involved in that one. What were your 16 days like in charge of Anzi? What was it like uh, to be an assistant to Gus Hiddink is the next question. Well, Gus, um, I like, uh, I know Gus for quite quite some long time and, and every time I, we, we our paths crossed, it was always good to see him and he always showed an interest in our, what I was doing at Manchester United and he really valued uh, valued my work, etc., etc. So when the opportunity came, when uh, I left United, he sort of got in contact with me and he said, "Listen, I'm I'm an Anzi, you know. I've always been keen to to working with you." And you know, and said, uh, "You know, would you want to do that?" And and I was, you know, and I was I was keen, you know, uh, in that respect. Uh, Goose had a fantastic, um, you know, experience and a fantastic career behind him. So you can always learn learn more. Um, and obviously, um, Anzi at the time was a club with with a lot of ambitions, and it was great, really. But it was just it was so short lived because you know I think two games in the league or a maximum three, uh, Goose uh, got suspended. Um, I think because he was a bit. Uh, strong against the fourth official or something and then with mutual uh, uh, you know uh, on mutual uh, how do you say that mutual decision they left he left and then obviously the owner asked for me to take over uh, which again is not the ideal situation because you, you're just there you don't know all the ins and outs and, and, and everything or running of the club but it was only 16 days and basically it was fine we had a great squad I had the uh, Samba in there as one of the defenders, you know, the ex-Blackburn and QPR defender. I had William, Chelsea and and, and, and um, Arsenal. What a fantastic player he was. I had Diara, who played for uh, Real Madrid, Busufa. Gr- great team, good lads, and then a lot of good uh, Russian players. Um, but anyway, after 16 days, and it had nothing to do with me or whatever, it was just that apparently the owner... You know, uh, had lost I think five hundred million in 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 a business deal or something, whatever. And he was, uh, you know, sought after by by Interpol, whatever it all was. And then it was just a matter of you know things had changed. All the all the uh, it was there as well. Um, obviously, not to forget what a player he was. And then all those players got put on a transfer market, um, and basically. Every foreign staff, all the foreign staff as well. So it had nothing to do with what we were doing or the job that we were doing. But it was an interesting uh, time, that's for sure. Were there any players at United who were brilliant in training, but it didn't quite happen for them in the first team? And looking at football now played behind closed doors, do you think some players benefit from there being no fans uh, with less pressure because of that? Yeah, to answer your last question first, uh, I do think so. Uh, Some of them will. Um, because there is no, there's no, you know, harassment or pressure coming from the stands or, or booing or whistling. You know what I mean. So in some players, uh, it will it will help them, you know, uh, because it will on it will not unsettle them. Uh, other players will probably struggle a bit more because they like to get motivated by the ambiance and and, and everything and all the fans there. Um, I can't really. Um, recall uh, you know any player that I thought you know who was absolutely brilliant in training from in my time at Manchester United to then say they were a little bit you know or underperformed or look you always have players that you've got expectations of to come to the club and for whatever reason it's not really working out for them because you always need to look at what 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 players hold the number one position in, in a particular position and you have to compete with and then compare with I mean, look look at the discussion now at Manchester United currently with because obviously they brought Donny for the bacon, who is an outstanding player because I know because I've seen him so long for Ajax, but he he's not really hit hit his form yet because lack of game time. But also Bruno Fernandes has been brilliant, and they are probably very similar players playing in the same position. Those things can happen. It's interesting that you mentioned Donny because 
a lot of United fans, I think, were excited when he signed, and he has underwhelmed so far. Are United playing to his strengths? Because I watched the game against West Ham, and he didn't have a good game, but a professional football coach texted me during the game and said he's not having a good game because of the way West Ham are set up. They're playing too deep for him to be uh, effective. Yeah, that was one of the reasons. But I think overall, I think the, the whole Man United performance wasn't wasn't great, you know, in my in my in my respect. I mean, and when other players don't really, you know, turn up, uh, then it's difficult for for somebody like Donny Donny himself as well. Um, West Ham came obviously with a plan not to lose the game in the first half, stay in the game as much as they could, which which I think they did. It is for United then as the home team to break them down. I think they struggled with that. That's something that that Donny normally is, is very good with. Um, in, in, at times, I, f- I find it a bit of a shame, really, because I always feel that good players uh, always find ways to play with each other. I'm 100% sure that Donny van der Beek could play with, with Bruno in one in one team. But you have to set up differently, you know, um, because they, they've got the same tendencies. You know, they, uh, they're very... Um, creative players they've got great intelligent um but when you're not playing a lot uh, as donny has done it, it it has definitely also an effect probably on on your confidence uh, and then people extra you know they look extra at you because you haven't played for quite some time and see how it goes and if a few things go wrong it sort of weighs weighs up double almost um but still, for me, he's he's, he's still a, he's still a good player that has a lot to offer to United. Have you been watching United much? Do you get to see them on on television? Do you still have a a big interest? Yeah, when you live in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I watch uh, not only United. You know, I'm, I mean, it's especially here on lockdown. I think I'm I'm the same like all the fans. You know, you look forward to when it gets to six o'clock and and the game started to kick in, you know, but I've, I've watched a lot of football, you know, uh, in that respect, other leagues as well, obviously. My son Mala plays in, in, the, in the Dutch Eredivisie in Holland, so I watch a lot of games there. I watch obviously all the Premier League games, some of the Championship, and, and obviously every time Man United is on, it, uh, uh, you watch it, of course. I saw your son score a, a scorcher of a goal as a defender, isn't he? Well, he's made a defender, yeah. Andy, because he's obviously been in, in Manchester United Academy, you know, from his I think sixth all the way up to his fifteenth. And he's always been a, mid, a midfield player. He was in the same age group as, as Angel Gomez, um, you know, and uh, and Dwight McNeil who's at Burnley. So uh, he was always tiny, he was always little, but obviously he's really grown in stature. He's about six foot one, I think he is. Um but at one point in Air Cassay they felt he was he would help the team better to become a centre-back and there was a bit of a, a transition, a bit of difference. But he's, he's, he's done well, he's adapted really well, he's, he gives a calmness to the team, he's very good in, in playing out from the back and that particular goal away to Swallow last season was one of those where he could push forward in midfield and you link with a striker and uh, he's put one in, I think, 25 yards in top corner. Next question from Mark C. As a skill coach, how would you go about improving Aaron Wambasaka's crossing, Mason Greenwood's heading, or McTominay's passing? And you don't have to agree with those points, by the way. No, no, I can. And well, see where it where they come from. But it's coaching is all about identifying areas where you can add something to the player. As you can see in the book as well, I never use the word change. I wouldn't go around to, to Wan-Bissaka and say, listen, Aaron, we need to change the crossing. No, we need to add something to your crossing. And you need to then identify what it is. You know, how does he get in those positions? Where does he get in those positions? Because there is like three crossing positions on the pitch. The, the early crosses, which is, means that you can bend one in like Beckham used to do. You know, when there's quite a bit of space between the back four and the goalkeeper, so people can run onto it. It's a different type of cross. And then a, a bit sort of, you know, almost half of the box and the one from the byline. So they're different techniques. Coaching is all about, you know, putting those players in those positions where they first can get the technique right. You know, that's the most important thing. Can they then get the technique right in game-related situations where they're running onto the ball, etc.? And it's all about repetition. Repetition, 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 and and success. Let them experience success. And it's the same with everything. It's the same with the heading. It's the same with the passing. You know, you need to break things down. You need to make sure that the technique is right first and let the players experience how does it feel, what does it look like, 
you know, and then obviously you've got the technology to film everything. You can then analyze it by video technology, uh, uh, you know, talk about it. And more than anything, then when they have success and they do it well, you know, make sure that you revisit it with the players, you know, and, and, and really affirm that this is the way the way to do it. United are second in the table. They're in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup again. These aren't the levels that the team were at when, when you were there and the team were winning titles, but generally perceived that Oli's doing a good job. Do you agree with that? Can you see what he's trying to do? Do you think tactically United are making progress in, in terms of recruitment as well? Yeah, I think um, it's good that they've uh, the club uh, and we know all that there were some, some tricky times with some tricky results. And it's important. That's what I meant. You need a strong organisation. You need a strong support. And and Oli's got that. You know, he's 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 got in that respect. He, he's got a, a good strong squad to his disposal. There's still always maybe one or two players you would like to to add. I think at this moment in time, <clears throat> the most important thing, really, I think that has made United why they are where they are, is Bruno Fernandes. There's no, there's no, there's no coming away from that. He has basically shaped and give United uh, a bit of the identity that we all want to see. You know, energy, urgency, dynamic, creativity, uh, creating goals, scoring goals. That's that's what you want. Uh, and obviously, that's credit to 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 uh, Ole and his staff and and the club to to bring him in. That's what you want to do. You bring you want to bring those sort of players in. There's still a little bit of this. You know, like I said, we've seen it the other week again against Everton. You know, you get 2 0 up, 2 2, 3 2 up, and then again lose one in a second. You know, you, the, the, the thing is to basically really compete. You need to uh, to drag those games over the line. It's, I said it in that point eight how important clean sheets are. 2021 is looking up, which means there should be plenty of new opportunities for you to grow your business, whether you're shifting business hours or hiring more remote employees. One thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When you're ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help you by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. And to lend a helping hand, your first job post is free. Have a look at the website. It's really interesting. There's lots of good features in there. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 30 million members in the UK. Getting started is easy. And their new features can help find qualified candidates quickly. Post a job with the targeted screening questions and they'll quickly get you in front of qualified candidates manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar linkedin.com as functions are streamlined into one simple screen and now you can do this from your mobile device no matter where the day takes you that's how linkedin jobs can help hire the right person faster when your business is ready to make that next hire find the right person with linkedin jobs and now you can post a job for free just visit linkedin.com slash united again that's linkedin.com slash united to post a job for free terms and conditions apply and there's still this vulnerability i still think every team that plays against united thinks to themselves it's going to be difficult we need to defend really really well not to concede but we will get one or two chances ourselves you know uh, that's that's i think how far they are away from really becoming a really good side that you know, basically, he's going to win. You know, uh, most of the games, and again, going to be back challenging for for the important titles. I put this point to Ollie uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I said that United were the top scorers in the league, but had also conceded more goals than any team down to Leeds in eleven four or twelfth. And he said, "You're a United fan, meaning me. You'd rather see your team win three two than three 0 But he said, "Of course, he didn't. He'd rather be winning." Uh, sorry, 3-2 them, them 1-0, but of course he didn't want to be conceding the two goals anyway. And I get the point that the football's more entertaining. I certainly feel it is more better now than it was under Jose Mourinho, under, under Louis van Gaal towards the end of their time there. But what is the solution? Is it as simple as bringing in a better central defender, more consistency from the goalkeeper, a right winger? Is it individual in positions or is it something that comes with time as the team matures? becomes more experienced 
gets used to more scenarios and and recovering from the mistakes such as that 94th minute equaliser from Everton yeah well there's, there's, there's two ways to go about this and if you do believe that you have the right players in that defence you know uh, that you've got the right goalkeepers in the game and Henderson if you've got the right uh, I think the, the, the fullback positions are very well covered with Juan Binsaka and, 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 and Williams uh, as a young backup with Tellers and with Shaw there's not much, much in there but I had a good game yesterday I thought Tellers yeah uh, and centre back, there's different options there. Mostly the choices are, you know, with Maguire and Lindelof. Uh, but also Bayer has come in and has done he's done exceptionally well. You still got two on Zebe. So the most important thing is if you believe that 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 is a good mixture uh, or or a good, you know, back four, back five, then the most important thing is then making sure you keep working at it. You know, you keep working at it every day. That those players get better, recognize situations better. You know, uh, you know, and, and the more they play together, the the, the better that they will come. Uh, but we're all in the results in the results business, uh, and all as Ollie knows, and uh, as Ollie knows, and and Ollie, like all the other fans, they want United to see compete for you know the Premier League title again. And if you keep losing those sort of points or easy points, there's going to come a point where you then have to say, well, are we really getting what we're getting from what we have in front of us? Now, that's for obviously all of the staff and the club to decide and they need to decide that from now until the end of the season because there's nothing else you can do now um, and, and, that's, and that's when they have to say, okay, coming to May or whatever or even before to say, listen, we do really need to strengthen in that, in, in that area so we really need to go for somebody in in that summer market because they have to they have to move on um, in that respect. If you don't, you won't you will get the same results. What's the difference between United and City? And I was going to say United and Liverpool, but Liverpool seems to have imploded. Oli talks about the small margins, and it was revealing to me when City played at Old Trafford in that League Cup semi-final. The best defender on the pitch was Ruben Dias. The best midfielder was Fernandinho, and City were quite comfortable and deserved to win the game, and they're winning every week now. Are they the small margins? Is it about getting a slightly better central defender and just improving? Uh, or do you need someone like Bruno had with that transformative effect when he came, or Van Dijk when he went to, to Liverpool? Well, certain individual players make make massive massive difference. Uh, I don't think I've seen, you know, especially not in my time, but a, a player that made such an impact as as Bruno has done for Manchester United. Like I said before that, before he came in. Um, and again, you saw it a little bit uh, yesterday when Bruno doesn't play. Because what I like about him is he is, and he's all over the place. But I mean that in a good way. Yeah, he is. He is. He is. He's everywhere. His energy levels are so high. Um, he does his defensive job. He, he presses. He has. He has. He had an effect on getting so many other players playing really, really well. Um, so has Van Dijk in a different way with Liverpool. You know what Liverpool has experiences at the moment with on top of the the the, the injuries that they've had. They're just going into uh, a moment of mental and physical fatigue. There's no coming away from it. You, you they probably do everything the same, and they ask themselves why is this happening. But that's simple what it is because you're working with humans and not computers. Uh, Pep Guardiola had to sort of reset. Uh, his Manchester City team because of, of last year's seasons. He had to analyse it. He had to look at his back four and everything. He had, he had to reshape it. He's, he's worked with the players. He's had his injuries, uh, especially up front with Aguero. But he's sort of, he sort of um, been very creative in, in finding different ways to still be, uh, to still be successful yeah, yeah. And, and, and solid. You're very enthusiastic about Bruno, and I think a lot of United fans would share that enthusiasm. Why is he so good? Is he the best player in the league? Can he get even better? Because he says that he can get even better. I think so. Yeah, he's he, like you see yesterday a few times when he sort of, you know, he he, he puts a bit of uh, an element of of risk uh, in in his in his passes, you know, and when they come off, they're brilliant. But if they don't come off, 
he's he's the most disappointing guy on the pitch, and it shows he's got high standards. He 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 embodies everything what Manchester United want to stand for. He drives the thing. For me, uh, you know, he would be the ideal captain because he steps on that pitch only for one reason. You know, he wants to win. He never wants to not play. If Ola tells him you're not starting or you're coming off, he hates it. You can see it in everything. His body language is is brilliant. He plays at the edge, you know, sometimes with his with his tackles. You know, he has to be careful with a little bit with that. But on the other hand, that's good to see because he's got a he's got an aggressiveness uh, to his game. He's he's an all round really great attacking midfielder that comes up with the goods in creating chances and scoring goals. So fantastic. I'd like to thank you for your time, Rennie, and good luck with your book. How would you get hold of a copy of your book if someone's listening to this and are interested in your coaching philosophy and the different training sessions, 94 different practices. Is this something what a youth team coach could be buying and saying, right, let's do this, number 72, 8v2 in boxes with the one-touch rondos, or is it for a more uh, expert coach? No, no, it is uh, the, 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 things, the things that I've sort of... Uh, I think the, the the book is good for obviously uh, for, for all sort of coaches because it it uh, you get a good a good insight like I said um, how to build a, a winning team what are the parameters of success on and off the pitch and management uh, that goes with it etc the the drills that you see in those uh, were in my opinion were the most influential drills that we did over that period that had a big effect on the results on, on the pitch. So you see a lot of uh, two and three ball routine practices, um, you know, that that, that we use, um, you know, the, the, the simple uh, uh, things that Sir Alex Ferguson found important from a defensive point of view, uh, an attacking point of view, from a transition point of view, all that is very well explained. In the book, so all coaches uh, can obviously you need to tweak it to your own own le- uh, level, maybe simplify it at times, but also for fans that want to have a really good insight of okay, how 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 did United operate through the eyes of myself, of course, how did United operate at the time uh, and when they were so successful with me being you know working on the pitch with those players every day, so. Uh, they can get it, uh, obviously the company that put it out in the market, which is Soccer Tutor. So you just go to uh, www.soccertutor.com or you go to Amazon. Uh, I believe that you can get it there as well. Uh, but anyway, I wish everybody that um, that's going to get a copy um, a pleasant read. Finally, who was the most receptive player who you worked with to your ideas? Because... There's names like Diego Forlan and Cristiano Ronaldo in the book, people you worked with one-on-one. I mean, it, 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 there, wasn't, there, wasn't, there wasn't anybody, like I said, who, who wasn't receptive because obviously Diego was the first one I started to do some individual work with uh, because Diego was sort of came to United sometimes as a player. You come at the wrong time at the wrong place because... United had so many great forward players, and it was very hard for Diego to break to break in the first team. But he felt he wanted to do some extra, and uh, and again, I come back to what I said to to all the players I worked with on an individual basis. What can we add to your game? And when you use the word add, add is more. Players want to know what it is, and when you show them and they see the value in it, they are receptive that every single person, every single player will be receptive. And that is what I experienced at the time at Manchester United, no matter who I've worked with. That's brilliant, René. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. Good luck, and when things get back to normal, good luck with your work with the Australian national team. We've got a lot of people who listen to this in Australia. There's a lot of Manchester United fans out there. Should they be feeling optimistic about their future? Yes, of course. Uh, I mean, obviously, um, I'm with the, 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 the Australian national team, but uh, Graham Arnold, who's the manager, we also, we also do the Olympic team, uh, which we managed to qualify for uh, last uh, January. So, as we all know, the, the Olympics got postponed, but hopefully we expect them to take place uh, this summer. So, that's another thing to look forward to. The reason why we've done it is because we wanted to create depth in our national team squads. You know, we're working hard. 
with a lot of people behind the scenes um, in the FFA to create a better environment uh, in, in Australia from grassroots up. Uh, at, the, at the moment, a lot of young players get playing time in the A-League, which is great because you're all doing fantastically well. And there's a lot of good young players, a lot, a, a lot of good young Australian players. So for us, it's to making sure that we do keep qualifying for those big tournaments. It's, it's, a, it's a big challenge ahead of us, especially around these times. But we expect to pull it off and um, to go to, uh, to the World Cup in Qatar. Thanks for your time, Rennie. Thanks, Andy. So that's it for this podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll bring you another podcast next week. Although I've just seen that the game has been shifted in the Europa League from San Sebastian to Turin. Guess who's booked a flight, train and hotel in San Sebastian plus accreditation to cover the game to do my job. And I've just had a quick look. There's no chance I can get to Turin because I've got to cover games in, in Barcelona on the Tuesday and Seville on the Wednesday. So I'm sure you'll have absolutely zero sympathy whatsoever, but that is the life of a, a football journalist at the moment. Uh, I was supposed to go to Atletico against Chelsea the week after. That's just been shifted to Bucharest. I've just been asked if I can go to Bucharest, and there's hardly any flights flying for obvious reasons. Anyway, let's be more concerned about Manchester United. The new United We Stand is now out. It came out on Tuesday. And cheers to everyone who's been ordering subscriptions. We're getting record subscription levels month after month. And I think people appreciate print, not being on a screen all the time. And we appreciate that. And we need that as well because we've not had any ground sales for coming close to a year now. And the shop sales where we sell the mag in the newsagents are severely disrupted. Some months it can be okay and then a lockdown comes in and all the mags that we send to news agents in train stations, for example, they just sit there. It's just a complete waste of the limited resources that we've got. So we really appreciate everyone ordering a mag. You can order a subscription, which we prefer, or you can order a single issue and that's only £3.99 in the UK, £5.49 Republic of Ireland, £5.99 rest of the world. We'd done the first big mail out, so almost everyone's had their, their mags and the postal system is looking a little bit better at the moment, certainly than it did a month ago, but please allow a couple of weeks outside the UK. And we will be doing a mail out once a week for the next two or three weeks. So if you want to order a United We Stand, go to our website, uwsonline.com, and you can click on subscribe there. And we can start you off on a tennis shoe subscription. We'll post it to you from Manchester. Or you can order a, a digital exact edition of the mag, which you can read on, on your phone, on your iPad. And lots of you do that, especially outside of, of the UK or some people who prefer to read on a screen in, inside the UK. So um, you can do that. We've got some mags waiting to send out from Manchester. So if you've missed this issue, it's not too late to order it and just PayPal the money if you just want a single issue. Right, that big bang downstairs was a dog. Become a dog owner. So I better go and attend to the dog and get us some food. Until next week, thanks for joining us. Goodbye.